Testing. Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 61 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And it's so nice to be together again. It is. We're here at our usual recording table yes. at Emily's place. It's been a while. It and it's a windy day here. The hurricane, um, we're thinking of everyone down south that Hurricane Michael blew through. Yeah. We're having the remnants today, but it's really just was a bunch of rain and now it's a bunch of wind. A lot of wind, yeah, but the skies are sunny. Yeah, and I have laundry on the line, so we might, Chris and I were laughing that we might be recording and see a dress fly by, <laughs> but hopefully not. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So we wanted to give a shout out to listener Melissa from Virginia, who won the episode 60 giveaway. Yay! Sponsored by our mystery man, John Valerie. Yay, Melissa! Congrats, Melissa, and thanks for listening. Yeah, and thanks for subscribing to the newsletter. We appreciate it. And I also wanted to, Chris and I are going to try to be better about when we talk about books that we've gotten arcs of and read and talked about much prior to their actual published dates. We'll try to remind people when their published date arrives. And so I just wanted to let people know that the day that this podcast airs, October 16th, Barbara Kingsolver's new book, Unsheltered is available, and I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So um, if you get a chance, it's now available for everybody. Excellent. (laughs) And I just wanted to give a little, uh, I don't know how helpful this can be for some people. I'd heard about it. I don't remember where, but it's a font that helps with people who have dyslexia. It helps them with reading. It's called Open Dyslexic, and it's a choice on the Kindle. Which is so cool. Yeah, and I, apparently some kids' books are printed using this font. So I hadn't heard of it. I keep meaning to check it out on my Kindle to see what it looks like. Yeah. So. It must be just in the settings somewhere yeah. that you go and, and switch over to that. Yeah. And I don't know if it would work on every book or... Yeah, I, it's I something really to check know. out. Yeah. Because I have changed my font every now and then. I've never done you that. You know what? I did it when I had a Kobo. Okay. And I have a Kindle. So, yeah. So that's just something to to check out if if it could be helpful to you or someone you know. Great. And we have a big announcement, which is our next (laughs) 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 read-along. Books number, or read-along number eight and nine. Because we're going to do another combo read, kind of like we did with our Summer of Little Women. Maybe we'll say nine first. Sure. Yeah, let's do nine first. Yeah. (laughs) We're telling you about it first but we'll be reading it second (laughs) yes and it's hum if you don't know the words by bianca murray is Mm -hmm. that how you say her name okay i believe so uh bianca for those of you who are booktopians or who follow fans of booktopia on facebook bianca filled in for somebody at the last booktopia up in vermont may of 2018 yeah i forget who it was that couldn't make it oh it was the woman who wrote Oh, gosh, I can't believe I can't think of it now. The one about the four siblings and knowing their death date, wasn't it? Oh, oh, Chloe Benjamin, yeah, that's right. Chloe Benjamin she was couldn't make it. She was sick or something, yes. that's right. And yeah. very last minute, Bianca filled in. Bianca swept in and charmed all of us. Like, yeah. we all fell in love with her a little bit that weekend. Um, she's from South Africa originally. She lives in Canada now. And I think she was on tour mm-hmm. for the paperback release of Hum, if you don't know the words. So none of us had the chance to read it then we didn't know she was coming 
Um, but I know I, I left with a copy of it, and I'm really looking forward to reading it. Yeah. So, and Bianca's going to join us for a conversation about it. So we're so excited. If you want to join in on that read-along and have any questions or comments, if you could get that to us by December 6th. Yes. So we're giving you some time. Although... It seemed really far away when we were first making this plan, and now it seems right around the corner. But we asked Bianca if there were any companion reads that she thought would be good, and she recommended Trevor Noah's um, memoir called Born a Crime because she said it gives you a lot of historical context for her book and just things that with fiction that she just didn't couldn't bring in probably Mm -hmm. just because of the design of fiction, you know. So we're going to read his book first yes so that's born a crime by trevor noah by november 8th if you want to get any questions or comments to us i know i'm gonna listen to it on audio because he does the narration and that just sounds really good to me i love Mm -hmm. it when you know someone narrates their own memoir yeah so but obviously it's available in all forms exactly yeah (laughs) yeah i'm i'm leaning towards doing the audio too yeah so now um a little context, Hum, if you don't know the words, um, it's in part about Bianca's nanny slash family maid, Mm -hmm. I believe, when she was growing up, a black woman, during apartheid. And as a little girl, the character doesn't understand or realize a lot of things, but as she grows up, she comes to understand the horrors of apartheid and discrimination. And the woman who... I think Eunice is Eunice the is woman. Her name. In, in, I don't know that that's the name in the fictionalized yeah. version of the book, but in her real life, you know, it's semi-autobiographical, right. obviously. Yeah. And her real life nanny's name was Eunice. Eunice, and she's just turned 95. Yes. So she, they're still in touch, they're still friends, and I think that's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Bianca has a lovely picture, I'm pretty sure, of her on her website. So I'll put that in the show notes for everybody. Great. And then Trevor Noah, for those who don't know, I mean, he's a late, how do you say that? Late, late night, night show, show host. host, host, host of a show. <laughs> um, and he was born and raised in South Africa as well. But his book, as we mentioned, is a memoir. So that's why there's more historical context for South Africa in his memoir. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm really excited about both of these. Yeah. Yeah. So read alongs number eight and nine. For those of you who are part of our newsletter, you got a little early heads up about this, but, um, you know, we, now we have dates associated with the books. So just to say them one more time, 11, eight, November 8th for born a crime and December 6th for hum. If you don't know the words. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Me too. So what are you currently reading, Chris? I'm currently reading a nonfiction book called Democracy in Chains, The Deep History of the Radical Right's Stealth Plan for America. It's by Nancy McLean, McLean, I should say. I don't remember how this came on my radar, but I did have a a Kindle sample that I downloaded, Mm. and I got hooked looking at that sample. And a new book group that I'm involved in said yes to this book, so we'll be discussing it next Friday. I think it's probably a great book to read with support like that. Yeah. Um, because it's it's a fascinating, fascinating book. I am only on page 47. There's like a... The introduction to this is 34 pages. The wow. introduction alone is 34 pages, and those are all the Roman numeral ones. Um, <laughs> so I feel like I'm further along in the book uh, than page 47 would make you theme but it's really looking back at the archives of a man who 
was a political economist. He actually won a Nobel Prize for some of his work, uh, James McGill Buchanan, who's passed away since. Um, but Nancy McLean is an archivist historian and had access to this man's papers after he died. Mm. They were in this home, an old mansion on a university where um, he taught or where his think tank was. And she got to go through his papers and put the story together. I don't want to say too much because I am reading it, and I'm sure I'll talk about it more later. So I'm just going to okay. stop saying that. But if you are one of those people who's wondering what the hell's going on with the Republican Party, this is a great book to help you start sorting that out. Hmm. Because it's not the Republican Party that I grew up with, right. or knew growing up, or knew as a, a young adult. And I just think it's horrific what's going on. And... One of the things she talks about is how the old guard of the Republican Party was pushed aside if they didn't conform to this agenda. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting and very frightening. And very timely. And it just goes to the deep-rooted racism of our country. Mm-hmm. I could say more, but I think I'll be careful. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll hold our political conversation for, <laughs> for offline. Um, I'm currently reading, or listening to, I should say, The Best of Us, which is a memoir by Joyce Maynard. Um, This is one, you know, I went to her event, gosh, it was probably a year and a half ago now at RJ's in Madison, and I really loved it. She was in conversation with Wally Lamb. And it's a story about a late-in-life relationship that she has. I think they met when she was 58, Mm -hmm. and they were, had a, just a fantastic romance for a couple of years and then he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and passed away. Did I say the gentleman, Jim, who she was in a relationship, um, passed away? You know, it's one that I've been careful to listen to because yeah. it's pretty heavy and I happen to be dating a man named Jim and I just felt like, oh, that's kind of creepy. But um, yeah. it came back on my radar because she recently wrote a very compelling editorial that was in the New York Times uh, kind of about the Me Too movement and her experience because she is the woman who wrote a memoir I think when she was like 20 about her relationship with J.D. Salinger oh right and got really ostracized for it Mm -hmm. and you know he was a much much older man and she was a teenager at the time and I don't remember the name of that book. I'm sorry. I'll put it in the yeah, show notes. But so anyway, when I read that editorial, I was like, oh, that's right. I wanted to read this memoir. And I had a long drive recently and thought, oh, I'll download it and get started on it. And she narrates, and I'm really enjoying it. So more to come on that when I finish. I think I'm about three hours in. So so what have you just read? Oh, I'm also I'm reading oh, one reading. other thing. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm actually right, reading delay. a book. Also. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. There's always this conversation about whether you're listening to a book that's still reading. It's just a different, but I'm reading a physical book, I should okay. say, um, which is Gilead by Marilyn oh, yeah. Robinson. Nice. How is it? I love her writing. I read her book, Housekeeping, years yeah, ago. I love that. Yeah. yeah I love that. The only thing I really remember about that book is I read it for a book club and it was the first time I really realized that, you know, the great thing about book clubs is you read books that you wouldn't necessarily read, but the not so great is sometimes you read them at a time. And I just mean like in the calendar year where you're like, oh, I shouldn't be reading this book right now because that book was so dark and damp like literally everyone's kind of damp and I read it in February in Ohio and I remember just thinking like oh but her writing is phenomenal and Gilead is a a trilogy 
I can't remember. I know the second one is home. I can't remember what the third one's called. But I saw this at one of those take one, leave ones at a coffee shop oh, cool. in Glastonbury. And I was like, woo, don't mind if I do. <laughs> and it's been on my shelf for months. And I just picked it up recently. And um, I just like her writing a lot. I'm not very far in at all, but right. enjoying okay. it so far. So now, what have you just read? I have just read a lot, so you get have. ready, everybody. How many books are out listed there? One, two, three, four, five. Wow. <laughs> so I listened to Calypso by David Sedaris. Oh, cool. This is actually a book that I downloaded thinking that Jim and I would listen to it when we headed out on a trip, but instead I just listened to it all myself before we went because <laughs> I loved it so much. David Sedaris, for any of you who don't know, he's a kind of a humor essayist, I would say. Mm -hmm. And he writes about, you know, his life and people in his life and his book tours and all sorts of things. He is very well known. So his book tours are pretty much him in auditoriums at this point, you know, reading his essays. And um, he narrated, which, you know, I've never actually read him. I've always just listened to his stuff on audio. Yeah. I listened to one of his books on the drive out here when we moved to Connecticut. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, yeah, really. He's hilarious. And this one was kind of fun because a couple of them were actually live performances. Okay. That, you know, they recorded him doing it live. So that was pretty fun. I saw him live once in Cincinnati. It was actually a date. Like, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And it was great. It was hilarious. But the thing I remember the most about it is I had just that day picked up my first pair of progressive glasses. And this guy really wanted to show me this fancy pants hotel in Cincinnati. And all I remember is it had the wildest carpet and we had to go up a flight of stairs with this wild carpet. And for any of you who get progressives, like stairs are hell when you first get them you know so this guy probably thought what is wrong with this woman I was like holding the handrail the carpet was moving underneath me it was hilarious but the show with David Sedaris's show was amazing and I have to say you know he's he's getting older so he talked a lot about getting older I think he might have even talked about his eyes at one point which cracked me up because I thought about that day But I was thinking as I was listening, like, what is it like to be a family member or one of his friends? Because you just know you're going to appear, you know? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, I highly recommend it. Pure Entertainment. Calypso by David Sedaris. And is that a new one from him? That's his his newest newest one. Yeah. Yeah. I think his one before this, that was something about his diaries, which is a little bit different than just pure essay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I finally read the library book by Susan Orlean, which comes out on the 16th, I believe. Yeah, yeah, the same day this will be, the same day this episode is live. It is a delight, the library book. It is about the library fire in L.A. that happened in 1986, the history of the L.A. library system, kind of like where libraries are these days in the U.S., or some of the things that they're dealing with, and with a little bit of an eye to the future, too. Mm. I love this book so much. It came, it kind of grew out of Susan's love for libraries and the joint experience she had her whole life with her mom, you know, from growing up as a little kid going to the library with her mom. And 
I, I loved it. I highly recommend this to anybody who loves libraries. So it's a nonfiction. It's a nonfiction. Okay. I wasn't sure. It's a nonfiction yeah. account. I mean, it's. I guess you could probably call it a little bit of true crime. Okay. Because arson did start that fire, they believe. Mm-hmm. Um, she. It's really great because what it's not like a a straight through narrative. She kind of goes back and forth a little bit and mixes different things in with different chapters. Like some of her past, some library history, mm. some of the investigation into the arson, um, the man who was suspected, some things about his life. So you never feel like, okay, come on, like, because it's always kind of bouncing back and forth, but in a way that's not annoying. Yeah. Because sometimes in some nonfiction books that do that, it feels a little bit like, okay, now here, okay, now there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I never had that feeling. It was a, a joy to pick up and read. I'm a fan of um, post-it tabs. Yeah, so I, I wish you guys could see her copy. It's tabs. <laughs> and, and she uses different colors, so it's beautiful. Oh, you know what? That's just, depending on where I'm sitting, where the closest <laughs> tab is, it's uh, a great read. And I picked it up at Book Expo. Yeah, I wonder you should look and see um, what her tour is going to be. Maybe you can get to see her. Oh, yeah, I wonder. That is something I haven't looked at yet. The Library Book by Susan Orlean. Check it out. She's written uh, The Orchard Thief. And then also a biography of Rin Tin Tin, the dog, the German mm-hmm. Shepherd that was famous. Mm-hmm. Um, I ha- And I got Rin Tin Tin for Christmas one year. I haven't read it yet. I'm looking forward to it a lot, especially now that I've read. Uh, that, that was my first book uh, by Susan Orlean, and I really like her writing style. Yeah. It's very, like, conversational. It's not necessarily breezy mm. in that way, but I really felt like I was hearing a person talk to me. Oh, I love as that. As I was reading it. That's great. Yeah. And Rin Tin Tin, there's always a Willa Cather connection, even though I'll be talking about one of her books later. <laughs> Willa Cather <laughs> met Rin Tin Tin. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> on a, I think it was, she was on a train or something, and she wrote home to somebody saying that she had met Rin Tin Tin. Aw. Yeah. Cute. So. You have to see if Susan Orlean talks about that. So I finished Strike Your Heart by Amelie Notham. This was a book that mm. I was so excited to get. Yeah. Um, Europa sent me an arc of it. You know, I just assumed it was out. Maybe that wasn't a safe assumption, but I think it is. For anyone who's read her, you know that she writes these really small, thin, but very packed with a punch books. I mean, this is 128 pages. I tore through it, but she tells an incredible story. And I just marvel at authors that have such brevity, mm-hmm. you know, but yet you feel like you really lived a whole life yeah. in their book. <laughs> and it's a book about mothers and daughters um, kind of growing up without maternal affection. It's a hard book in that way. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, really about how mothers can be jealous of their daughters. And I feel like she handled it beautifully. I loved every minute of it I highly (laughs) recommend it and you know that the one sad thing for me about her I think she has like eight books out but there's only been a few that have been translated so I'll keep looking to see if more of her work gets translated and she's French she's she's got a really complicated background I think she's from Belgium but grew up in Japan and France or something like that so I think this was translated from the French um she wrote a book about a kind of a um, semi-autobiographical book about a year working for a Japanese con- company. Okay. Uh, that was really great. And, um, you know, like I said, all of her books are spare, but wonderful. 
So if you haven't had a chance, look her up. All right, the other book I read was Bitter Orange by Claire Fuller. And this is a book I mentioned in the past when I first received the um, arc of this. Yeah. The book is out now. It just came out on Tuesday. I reviewed it for Criminal Element, and it is a wonderful read. I think it's a great read for this time of the year. It's set. It's, it's So let me back up. It's about a young, well, she's not, well, 39. <laughs> Some people don't consider that young. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it is, uh, she's a 39-year-old woman whose mom died about a month ago. And this is 19, late 1960s. Her mom died for the last 10 years. She had been taking care of her mom. She'd been her mom's full-time caretaker. Her mom is bedridden. She left Oxford in her third term to come home and take care of her mom. So that's all she's been doing, that and going to the library and reading a lot. Apparently, she's still been reading and writing, and she's published some articles in uh, an obscure journal about garden antiquities. Mm. She's into that. So she gets hired by an American to come and assess the garden architecture of this huge old estate that he purchased, apparently sight unseen. It, this is in uh, in England, it is in Hampshire. Mm. I only remember that because New Hampshire. <laughs> so did they say a Hampshire or Hampshire in England? I don't know. You'd have to ask Simon Savage. Okay. He can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where this old estate is. I think they say is. Hampshire. Hampshire. Oh, that was terrible. I can't do it. <laughs> don't ever hire me to do accents, anybody. <laughs> um, so she she shows up to to do her job at this abandoned estate that has sat empty since World War II, after it had been, during which, I should say, it had been requisitioned by the Army. There is another, there's a couple there, a man and a woman. He's been hired to assess the building and the contents of the building. And so the three of them are there living together. Town is a long walk or bike ride away, so they're pretty isolated. It's creepy, the place is in ruins. She's naive, they're drinking a lot because there's a wine cellar. <laughs> you can imagine a lot of the things that yeah. might happen from there. So I really enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the writing. It's a, one of those books, you know, I, I, a lot of people always talk about needing to like characters or not needing yeah. to like characters. All of the, all, the three main characters are all off in some way. But I wouldn't exactly say, like, I didn't like them. But... Liking them or not liking them, I guess that's not really my thing. Mm-hmm. And and I really feel like it's more the atmosphere that's the story for yeah. this book. Yeah. Um, I, I think I said in my review, like, if you like uh, Daphne Mar, Sarah Waters, Shirley Jackson, this book might appeal to you. Mm. And just to toot your horn, because I know you're not going to toot your horn, your review... I think, didn't Tin House retweet yeah. your review or something? Yeah, it's from Tin House, yeah. Go, go Chris. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, That's so, awesome. It was, she wrote a great review. I'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you. Thanks. And it's a beautiful color. It, cover. It is Sorry. a beautiful cover. This is the one, yeah. um, it has, it's like dark leaves and then these three bright oranges. Yeah. It's a cool cover. For once, I like the U.S. cover more than the U.K. cover. Mm. The UK cover shows like a shattered plate hmm. with also so funny bits how of different it is. Yeah. Huh. So a cool, cool story. I don't know if I summed that up very well at all. No, well, I think you did. 
Of course, okay. I didn't read it, but oh, I think you yeah. did. So Makes bitter, me want to read it. <laughs> bitter Orange, Claire Fuller. Check it out. I read The Kiss Quotient by Helen Hoang. This is a book I got on my radar because Roxanne Gay talked about how much she enjoyed it. And um, it's a love story. It's a romance. It has a lot of hot sex in it. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, <laughs> run to the bookstore. Um, be careful who you read it around. <laughs> but the author of the book um, has Asperger's. What do you call it? What do you call it? As- has Syndrome? Asperger's. Syndrome, yeah, okay. Or, or just Asperger's. Asperger's, yeah. yeah. And, um, which is a form of autism. It's on the autism spectrum. I know I've heard tell that the, you know, smart people who put out the DSM books, is that what they're called? <laughs> the, the things about different, you know. Yeah, the diagnostic. Diagnostic manual. manual yeah. isn't, it's not a diagnosis anymore or something. I don't know. Anyway. She is, and her character has Asperger's, and she hires a male escort to teach her how to kiss and make love and date. It's very intriguing <laughs> plot line, and the woman's name is Stella, the protagonist. She's a brilliant, which is what most people who have Asperger's syndrome are very brilliant in a specific area. She's an economist and has a great job. She has shit tons of money. She's doing just fine with all of that. She just doesn't know how to date mm. and have a relationship because relationships are tricky because, you know, there are certain things like, you know, she doesn't like to be touched in certain ways and she's very sensitive to touch and things like that. So I thought it was a beautiful portrayal of that issue in general Mm -hmm. just like what it's like to be in the world and have to keep on a very specific schedule and have to have your clothes made in a certain way so the tags don't itch you and the seams don't itch you and things like that Mm -hmm. but yet she's doing just fine in the world you know with the exception of the fact that her parents want her to get married and she can't find (laughs) a, a suitable partner so it takes place from the perspective from Stella's perspective but also from this male escort that she hires and there's a reason that he's working as a male escort because he has some complexity of his family dynamic that's caused him to need to pay off a huge debt and I'm not gonna do any spoilers around that but I thought it was the sweetest story ever I read it so fast (laughs) I loved every minute of it including the hot sex scenes (laughs) So um, I just really highly recommend it. It's very different, um, very easy to read, and I'm curious to see what else this author puts out. As a matter of fact, I think I thought I think that was her debut, and I think she has another one either out or coming out soon. Cool. So, right. the Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. All right. Did you read anything? No, else? I, okay. d- I read those too. I also read The Wife by Meg Wolitzer, which is a book that our friend, mutual friend Emily had given me to borrow because this just came out as a movie starring Glenn Close as The Wife. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. saw previews of that. It looks really intense. Yeah. And, you know, Meg Wolitzer, I've read several of her books now, and I just saw her recently at RJ's. I think her newest book is The Female Persuasion. This one, this is an older book. It was in the early 2000s. And... I did not really enjoy reading it because it's about, you know, a marriage gone south, which I don't really like to read. But her writing is so good. I couldn't help myself. And it's it's a pretty um, fast read. It's not very long. And the premise of it is it's a woman who was at a 
one of those New England liberal arts schools, 18 years old, and falls in love with her professor, English professor. He leaves his wife. They start a relationship. And this the start of the book is when they're on an airplane going to for him to pick up a prize similar to the Nobel Prize for mm-hmm. fiction. And he, so they're much older now. He's in his 60s. And it goes back and forth in time, you know, from that point. Mm-hmm. And kind of the devolution of their marriage where she has given up a lot. She was a very, um, she, she was a good writer and kind of gave it all up for his, to support his career and their mm-hmm. three children. So it's not a light book at all. Yeah. But her writing is what kind of forced me to keep picking this up, especially after having just read The Kiss Quotient and all yeah. those hot sex scenes. It was like, oh, oh this book again. Bed, yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, all right, it doesn't always stay that way. <laughs> but, um, you know, and it's just, there were some parts of it that were just so icky with, you know, old relationships and kind of where we get in them sometimes. Mm -hmm. But again, her writing was the only reason that I stuck with it. And kind of, I wanted to see how it ended. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Chris just did a little shudder. I did. I just, you know, when I saw the previews, I just thought, am I going to see that? Like, I want to see it. Yeah. But it looks like a movie that's just going to really piss me off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the interesting because thing... Because it's not like he's appreciative of no. her sacrifices. He's out there screwing mm-hmm. around with younger women. Yeah. I mean, it plays to all of those things about professors and, you know, how they sleep around and famous writers and how they sleep around and how mm-hmm. the wife... There's the wife. I mean, it's called the wife, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, how she knows, but she's in it for other reasons and for her kids and, you yeah. know, things like that. It was gross. I know it's complex. Yeah. And I know we all make our choices. Yes. I well, know it's or complex. the choices that we best can at the time. And, yeah. you know, I know there are people who stay together for their children. And being someone who got divorced when my kids were really young, I have mixed feelings about it now. Yeah. You know, it's not... It's a lose-lose. That's what I tell people. You yeah. know, divorce with young children or with children at all at any age is a lose-lose mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But anyway, <laughs> the wife, oh. Meg Walter. Yay. And then the other one I read <laughs> was, I went on vacation, people. Yeah. I don't always get to read like this. Was The World Made Straight by Ron Rash. Ron Rash is a oh, southern writer. He has been on my radar for years, and um, when I went to the Asheville Booktopia, he is very well thought of down there at Malaprops because he is from the Asheville area. And also um, up at McLean and Eakin in Petoskey, which I've been to that bookstore several times, they love Ron Rash up there also. And And he got um, a blurb from Dorothy Allison. Yes, who I love. I'm looking at the book. I'm holding it right now. It has a cool cover. Yes, it does. Like one of those old streamlined silver mobile homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. We picked this up at Atticus in New Haven, the bookstore. It was kind of on the sale rack. And I said, oh, I've always wanted to read Round Rash. So we grabbed it. It's, you know, it's kind of a sad book. It's the main character is Travis. He's um, a high school student who's kind of lost his way. He's drinking a lot. His dad is not very kind to him. He gets in a little trouble with the local drug dealer and the drug dealer harms him. Mm. And when he needs to recuperate, he is kind of forced out of his family home and goes to recuperate 
in the house of another local drug dealer who is very well educated and helps Travis to get his GED. And that piece of it, the character Leonard is the man who he lives with who was a teacher and lost his teaching license for unsavory reasons. Mm -hmm. But he's very brilliant. He has books all over his house and they share a love of books. And then there's also, because of where it takes place, a Civil War component where they delve back into historical aspects of the Civil War and how each of their families were part of the Civil War. And that part's really interesting. Also, if you'd like to read about fishing, there's a lot of beautiful scenes of just being out in the out of doors and fishing. Um, I read this book because Jim read it first Mm -hmm. and he got to the end and he said, oh, I really want you to read this. I want to ask you about the ending. So, of course, (laughs) I was like, "Okay," And I picked it up and started reading it, even though there were about five other books I brought on vacation that I wanted to read. But um, it was hard for me because there's a lot of violence, a lot of drugs. Those are things I don't love to read about, Mm -hmm. you know. But his writing is beautiful. I can see why he's so revered. And he's also a poet. He's written a lot of works of poetry and I think short stories as well. So I got to the end yesterday and, you know, Jim and I were able to talk about it. Uh Um, But it does have, it's it's difficult. There's violence. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the thing about, you know, people, characters can come in contact with people who are trying to lift them above their circumstance, but that doesn't mean they won't necessarily fall back to the circumstances in which they were raised. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm being vague because I don't want to give any spoilers, but so I, I would like to read more Ron Rash. I liked his writing a lot, but I don't know if all of his stories kind of have this darkness Mm -hmm. to them, you know? Interesting. I've, I hadn't heard of him. Thanks for bringing him to my attention. Well, you might've heard of Serena was a book he wrote that was made into a movie starring, Bradley Cooper and I can't remember who the female lead was, but um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, because I think that's a love story. I could be wrong. So this was definitely not a love story. So um, the other I forgot to talk about in currently reading this book reminds me of I may be DNFing. Where is it? Oh, this book Ohio by Stephen Markley. Yeah, it was one of those buzzed editor buzz books at Mm -hmm. book at Book Expo. Oh, it is so dark. Yeah. I heard somebody else, somebody I follow online stalled with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's about um, kids in Ohio, which I'm very familiar with, small town Ohio, and talk about a lot of drugs and darkness. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, everybody. Okay. I've... I put it, I could not take it on vacation. I was like, this book is not going on vacation with me. But we'll see. I mean, I'm halfway through. Is it bad enough to put it in the freezer? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I might just put it under a stack of books and feign like I I forgot about it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So any Biblio adventures? Yeah, I had a couple since we last talked. Well, our our big one was we had our, our wonderful historical fiction panel yeah. at Mohegan Sun, which was so much fun. It was um, wonderful. Yeah, it was great. It's Fiona Davis, James Ben, Melody Winower. Unfortunately, Marie Benedict couldn't make it. Yeah, she had a little family emergency. So yeah, I, I love her book. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So that was great. We had a wonderful time. It was so great to connect with everybody and, and some friends were able to come out and make it. So yeah. it was great. Yeah. It was wonderful. I had a really good time. 
it was fun to kind of also the way they do it there. You know, we were in this beautiful theater, but then they have the book signing out kind of in the main drag, I guess you would say, of the casino. Of the casino. Yeah, so it's like a casino mall yeah. kind of like. So we yeah. were out there in the midst of everything. And, yeah, and, it was uh, fun. I think quite a few people bought books. Yeah. I, I know I bought James Ben's first one of mm-hmm. the series of the Billy Boyle. Yeah. I definitely want to read that whole series now. Yeah. And thank you to the authors. We got to have supper with them afterwards. Yeah. It was so nice. It was fun. So, yeah. yeah. I went to one bookstore. Ooh. I went to Edgartown Books in Martha's Vineyard. I loved the bookstore, but I had a bad experience there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so weird. I there um, unbeknownst to me, Geraldine Brooks lives on Martha's Vineyard. Oh, so they had like this that. beautiful display of all of her books. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I whipped out my phone to take a picture, and the woman working there said, oh, you're not allowed to take pictures of the merchandise. Wow. And I just looked at her cross-eyed like, you know, is this because you think I'm taking pictures and I'm going to order them all online or something? Wow. I couldn't think of any other reason. Yeah. That she So I wanted to say... That's so know, old school. <laughs> I know. I wanted to say, well, I was going to post all this stuff on social media about your bookstore yeah but now i can't wow. you know it wow. was weird that is weird yeah. yeah and min's book min jin lee's book pachinko was in this really cool display of staff favorites and i was going to take a picture of that and send it to her and yeah i had all these plans wow. but Boss. she was Squashed. and then the whole time we, we were in the bookstore for an hour browsing and the whole time i kept feeling like i wanted to look and see if the woman stepped away from the counter, I was going to, like, click, click, <laughs> take a couple pictures. But she never left the counter, so wow. I couldn't. But it's a beautiful bookstore. Right. They had a really nice selection of local books, you know, that mm-hmm. had to do with the sea, which I always love. Yeah. You know, and they had really cool puzzles and things like that. But um, sorry, everybody, I don't have any pictures. Wow. All so, right. Yeah. Edgartown Books, Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. <laughs> Well, I also went up to Massachusetts one day. I surprised Laura, and we went up to Concord on the 150th anniversary of the publication of Little Women. Fun. Um, so Orchard House had their big festival that day, their big celebration. We didn't go to that. We drove by. Okay. Um, my main intention was to show Sleepy Hollow, was to take Laura there, because cool. we both love cemeteries, and I knew she'd love it, so we spent a lot of time in Sleepy Hollow, walking around and taking pictures and just enjoying the day. The leaves were starting to change up there. Oh, nice. And it was just a wonderful, not exactly a cool day, but it was a comfortable day. Yeah. Sunny and everything was great. And we found Walden Pond. I saw the pictures. I thought that yes. was so cool. Was it hard to find? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> if you remember when we were driving, if re- listeners, in a past episode, we described our... Failed attempt to get uh, to Walden Pond. It was it was dark. dark. <laughs> yeah, the sun had set, and the GPS was freaking out. It yeah. took us two different ways. Into um, someone's backyard, exactly. Basically. Into somebody's yeah. backyard. <laughs> so if you remember when we were driving on that street, and there's that big intersection crossing yeah. that highway. It's across that highway and a little further oh, up. Okay. On the left-hand side is where there's parking, and the pond is actually on the right-hand side. We drove in to the left side and didn't want to pay for parking because we just wanted to see it. Yeah. And, and you know, keep moving. Keep moving. Yeah. So we drove down, and on the right-hand side, just as you see the pond, on the right-hand side, there's a boat access road. Oh, cool. Which I don't recommend you do that unless you have four-wheel drive. 
which we did luckily. Mm -hmm. Um, so we drove down there and, uh, hung out a little bit and took some pictures and it's a big, it looks more like a big lake than a pond. So do people really take boats out on it? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. I just thought it was like a little place to go and meditate or something. Yeah. No, cool. it seems quite large, and yeah. that people swim in it, oh, and, cool. and everything. There were a lot of uh, there weren't a, there were a lot of people coming, uh, walking around, but it didn't feel crowded. Okay, and yeah. especially down where we were, I think there were like three other vehicles down there. Cool. So that was fun. fun. It was so beautiful to see, and and I look forward to going back and doing a hike around it, and yeah. maybe even going swimming. I think it'd oh, be a lot of fun, be really to, fun to take a dip. And did you find different um, graveyard, or what do you call them, gravestones, headstones in the Sleepy Hollow? Remember how we were looking for some that we couldn't find? Oh, you know what? I still didn't find um, Elizabeth Peabody, I Mm -hmm. think, is buried there. I didn't find her, although, I'm sorry, I... I wasn't really looking. I, I, I mean, you know, like, <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot. But I, I just remember the, guilty. No, the ma- I just remember the map was kind yeah. of confusing when we were there. I'm you know not what? good and with I those kind of maps. And I couldn't find that anyway. damn map. Like, okay. I, you know, another thing, like, we had this whole map, and then the day we went, we, right. it we was in my backpack yeah, right. in the car. So, once again, I couldn't find the map, but we were really just walking around. But there was one headstone that was so cool. The, ne- the last name is Blood. Ooh, creepy. And then on the other side were their names. So yeah, I was just like, wow. I mean, no disrespect to anyone, but how perfect for Halloween. Like once those (laughs) leaves change and everything to get a picture of just the headstone with the leaves changing, that would be really beautiful. Wow. I can't say I've ever met someone with that last name. Yeah, I haven't either. There were mementos left on Hawthorne's grave this time Mm because last time we were there, it had been cleaned. There was nothing there. So... And the things were different that were left on Thoreau's and uh, Louisa May Alcott's mm-hmm. headstones. So they must clean them up periodically. So don't you wonder what they do with the stuff they take? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. Yeah. You know, especially like people write all these notes and yeah, it they seems do. so private. Yeah, they write yeah. notes. Like there was yeah. one, I think the last time we went to, there were like in Ziploc bags, yeah. people leave notes and things yeah. like that. And a lot of pens and pencils and pennies. I mean, I guess the point of it, when you leave something like that, it's really for you, Mm. you know what I mean? And so you've done what you wanted to do. I guess you can't really think about the longevity of what you left. Yeah. Yeah, You know? Right. But I just think it's interesting that that's some caretaker's job, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they were doing a big construction project on drainage, too. Mm. I don't know if you remember, like, when you're up on Author's Ridge and how we walk down. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that area where you walk down, that whole, like, where the, the quote, gutter would be, mm-hmm. it was all, like, ripped up and dug out, and they were putting in drainage. So mm. they must have had some flooding problems there lately. Hmm. Well, there's flooding everywhere around here this summer. Yeah, it's been pretty wicked. Yeah. yeah. So, cool. yeah, that was Have a really fun. fun Biblio adventure. I was so happy to go up there. We'll definitely go back, Laura and I, mm-hmm. to Orchard House when it's not quite so crowded yeah. and, and do the tour and everything. Yeah. It just wasn't, it was just a lot of people there, which was great to see yeah. so many people turn out. Have fun. Yeah. That's great. It was good. Happy birthday, little women. Yes. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I should say, like, this is a, a past Read. I know we've talked a lot about Meg Jo Beth Amy, the story of Little Women and Why It Still Matters by Anne Boyd Rude. Anne Boyd Rude. Mm-hmm. The, the new book group that I mentioned that I'm a part of that we read mm-hmm. for the last meeting. So that was kind of fun to have more people to talk about it with. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just yeah. so fun to see that book's gotten such good press. It is. So. Yeah. 
Oh, and another thing, this is not a biblio adventure or anything. It's just a bit of news, but I have a friend who teaches at uh, William and Mary. She's going to be teaching us a, a class on little women. Oh, great. In the spring. Nice. So that's pretty exciting, too. Maybe she'll reuse that book. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Any upcoming adventures? Yes. There are a couple things in my life coming up. I have the Willowcatta Book Club is meeting next Thursday, the 18th, I think it is. Yeah, the 18th at Book Club Bookstore and more. Great. We're going to be reading and discussing Death Comes for the Archbishop. So anyone listening to this, if you're in the Connecticut area and like to drop in and join us, we meet there at 2 o'clock, Book Club Bookstore and more. South Windsor. South Windsor. Great bookstore. Yeah. So And then I have another meeting of that new book club where we're going to be discussing Democracy and Chains. And then another announcement is, I almost said December, but it's actually October. <laughs> Don't <laughs> rush it. <laughs> October 20th is the next Dewey's 24-hour readathon. Oh, great. For those of you who are interested in doing that, um, it's a fun 24-hour period where you could read as much or as little as you like. I always enjoy participating when I can because psychologically, I think it's fun to clear a whole day to dedicate to reading. Yeah, I love that idea. You know? Because mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people have a lot of time to read or they make a lot of time to read. And I squeeze in at least an hour or two of reading every day, usually. But it's just there's just something about psychologically preparing yourself and your loved ones um, <laughs> <laughs> to leave you alone to read for yeah. 24 hours. And yeah. I love how they get, you know, people post about the snacks they're having. You yeah. know me, it's always about the food. Yeah. I was, you know, all day long, people are posting about their snacks, and I love that. Exactly. Yeah. So on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, they have a Goodreads group. Uh, you can follow the hashtag readathon and and dive in. And, and it's just fun to meet other people. Meet, you know, yeah. connect with other book lovers and find recommendations too. I've yeah. found some good reads that way over the years. So, so I'll put the link to, um, in the show notes because they have a website, you know, just so people know. I think they already have like over 500 people signed up. Oh, that's It's awesome. usually, I think, a couple thousand oh, that's great. lately who sign up to, to take part oh, in fun. it because it's just a fun celebration of reading yeah. and books. Cool. Well, October 17th. I'm hoping, I have a very busy week next week, but I'm hoping to get to the Wesleyan R.J. Julia because Megan McLean Weir is going to be there with her book of Essie. Oh, right. Which is yeah. a book that's getting a lot of press. Um, I had it out of the library for a minute, but it mm-hmm. was due back and then on hold, so I didn't get oh, a chance to read it. I have the ARC with me. Oh, you do? In my car. You are welcome oh, to have it. I would love to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the book that I have in there. I could be completely <laughs> lying. That would be hilarious. Wow. It well, might be this is one that Anne Kingman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. So many books. I say this is one that Anne Kingman talked about, but I know she didn't give us an arc. Oh, so what's up with that, Anne? Come on, Anne, hit us up. No, that's not that. hook us up is what I meant to say. Hit us up. Oh gracious. Oh my. So what about upcoming reads? Upcoming reads. Well, Death Comes for the Death Comes for the Archbishop. I'll be rereading that. I, I've read it before. That's shocking. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I'll be reading that, I think, this weekend. Okay. Yeah. Great. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I have a couple other things. So 
One of the Biblio adventures that I went on was the Guilford Library sale, oh, yeah. which happened when you were gone. Was gone yeah, yeah. Um, but I did find a couple of things there. One of them was this. It's a first edition, first printing of Andrew Carnegie's autobiography. Oh, interesting. Which I'm, I'm kind of like I've been on an Andrew Carnegie kick before, or Carnegie. Um, this is published in 1920. But reading um, Marie Benedict's Carnegie's Maid kind of reignited my interest in him. How cool. So I, I, I bought this, and I don't know if I'll read it, if I'll just dip into it, but it's a pretty solid book for, for being as yeah. old as, I mean, 1920. Yeah, it's in good shape. That reminds me, when I was in Martha's Vineyard in Edgartown, mm -hmm. there's this beautiful little Carnegie library. Oh, cool. It's a tiny little brick library. I went up to it. It was after hours, but I peeked in, and it was obviously not a library anymore. And then, of course, I went to find the Edgartown Library, which is a beautiful, brand spanking new library. And we talked to this wonderful librarian, and they had been in that little tiny library up until, like, two years ago. Wow. Or maybe it was a few more. Like maybe it was 2014 or 16 or something like that. And they built this beautiful, brand new library. But he said they had been in that Carnegie Library up until that point wow. for like a hundred and some odd years. That's amazing. Yeah. What are they yeah. doing with the old building? Do they know yet? Now it's like a community center. Okay. So, and I could see that. I saw signs like it was obviously being used, but mm -hmm. it was not a library. Yeah. And he said they're just so thrilled with the space they have now. Yeah. For obviously sure. for more books, but also there's just a lot more space for people to just be and read and work and, yeah. you know, do stuff like that. And then we were teasing him because he has a stapler collection. Oh. Library, cool. like all around him were all these staplers, and I said, "Really, you're just happy that there's room for your staplers now." <laughs> How neat is that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Did he have uh, like? How did he get into it? Did you guys talk about his stapler collection? He he was just a collector. He had old. He collected typewriters and staplers. Neat. And I think he just liked the mechanics and the idea mm -hmm. of it. And he said people love to come up to his desk and say, "Hey, can I borrow a stapler?" <laughs> sure. Ha ha. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. That's a good thing to collect, though. It doesn't take as much room as a typewriter. <laughs> no, it doesn't, but it did. He had a lot of them. Yeah. But it was pretty cool to see the different kinds. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, another book I'm going to be reading, I'm not sure when, our friend Kate, Kate and Carol, who are fellow Booktopians, were able to come to Mohegan Sun. It was great to see it them. It was wonderful to see them. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Yes, and uh, so Kate left this book for me, which Emily just gave me today, Dodging and Burning, a Mystery. It's by John Copenhaver, which looks really good. Yeah, it's got a beautiful cover. Yeah, I really like it. It's set in the summer of 1945. And she gave me a book called The Devil and Webster, which is my upcoming read, and it's by Jean Humph Korlitz. And it's a campus, you know, takes place on a college campus. She's the author of the book Admission, mm -hmm. which I didn't read, but I did see the movie with Paul Rudd and Tina Fey. Oh, very and cool. It was That's a funny. cool cover, too. Yeah, it's a very yeah. cool cover. So yes. thank you, Kate. I can't wait yeah. to read it. The other book that I, I took off my shelves is The Reader's Advisory Guide to Horror. Mm. The second edition. Um, it's by Becky Siegel Spratford. Who, and this is an autograph copy, she was a librarian 
I don't know if she's still at the same library, um, but in Berwyn, Illinois, which is uh, near where I used to live. And it's this is from the American Library Association. So it is actually, you know, an official reader's advisory guide. And it's a great time of the year, obviously, for reading horror. So if you would like any suggestions, recommendations, this is a cool book because I, I like how she has the chapters broken out. There's a brief history of horror, the appeal of horror, because a lot of people are like, ew, why are people in horror? Like me. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, then she has like a chapter on classics, a chapter on ghosts and haunted houses, one on vampires, then zombies, shapeshifters, monsters, and ancient evil, witches in the occult. A lot of, and a comic horror. You might like that. Comic horror. The subtitle is Laughing in the Face of Fear. <laughs> <laughs> so I took that off my shelf um, because I do like to read. I, you know, I don't like like slasher type stuff. I like classic vampires who are right. mean and nasty. <laughs> and I do like a haunted house story every now and then. So when you on the readathon on the 20th, are you mm-hmm. going to read some horror, you think? You know what? I'm so not sure yet. I have there are a couple books on my classics club list that are on the dark side at least. Mm-hmm. Um oh gosh, so like wow, my mind is escaping me right. Oh, The Monk is one mm-hmm. of them. That's an old tale from, I think, the 18th century of a monk <laughs> gone bad. Oh, my gosh. And it's one of the first gothic tales. Hmm. Um, I might read that one. Uh, Lord of the Flies hmm. is one hmm. I haven't read yet. You know, Literary Disco just discussed that book. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, maybe if I do read that, I'll, I'll check in with that episode. Yeah. And then also Frankenstein is on my list. I put it on there as a reread. We'll see. There's also some really cool books by African-American women writers that I haven't read yet, like The Color Purple, oh, The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. And they're they're both pretty short books, so mm-hmm. I could probably read both of them in a day mm-hmm. if I am committed to, to doing nothing but reading right. during readathon. We'll see. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I'm trying not to make any definitive statements to myself, at least, and maybe just see when I'm in the mood to read that yeah, day. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. For sure. So yeah. we'll see. Especially after finish, because by that time I'll have just finished Democracy in Chains. I yeah. might just need, I don't know, I might read a book about butterflies or Yeah, something. I would say you might need a little palate cleanser yeah. after that one, or a mind <laughs> cleanser. Yeah. Well, I have How one other you? upcoming read, which is Sadness is a White Bird by Moriel Rothman Zecker. I've talked about this book before. Um, I He grew up with my children. This is his debut novel. Right. I just downloaded it on audio. Okay. He was just named one of the five under 35 honorees by the National Book Foundation. Mm-hmm. So it kind of came back up on my radar. I feel like, you know, my kids have both given me grief for not reading it yet. <laughs> I want to. I want to. Many <laughs> boyfriends, kids. Yeah, exactly. You That's got a right. lot of pressure. <laughs> I have. I feel like I've had a lot of reading assignments lately. So on vacation, it was really fun to just read some books I wanted to read. Not that I don't want to read those other ones, but, you right. know, just like what you were saying, like be in the mood and mm-hmm. decide. But it's interesting. I, I have heard of the five under 35 honorees before and, um, There are some heavy hitters who were, like Jasmine Ward was a 5 under 35 honoree. What I didn't realize is that they are selected by authors who have been honored by the National Book Foundation. Okay. So Bill Clegg is the one that nominated Maury, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting because I love him Mm -hmm. as a writer. 
So I'll link to, there's a really cool place on the National Book Foundation website where they have all the past winners of the 535. So it's kind of cool to look, you know, like years ago and then see what have these authors done since then, you know. So anyway, I'm going to listen to it and I'm really excited about it. I'm actually going to listen to it on my way to Ohio next week. Excellent. Where he's now living. So maybe I'll get a chance to catch up with them. And if I do, maybe I'll try to do a little mini interview. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. And that's all I've got on my list. All right. Well, the other thing that happened to me was when I was at the library book sale, I ran into a friend who I haven't seen in a while. Her name is Fran. She used to be a member of a mystery club, book club Mm. that I was in. So we got to chatting like twice. We ran into each other a couple times. And the second time I ran into her, she was looking at a book on, like, literary quizzes. So we stood there and we're looking at this book on literary quizzes. And Middlemarch came up oh. by George Eliot, which I had started reading. And I thought, oh, I need to wait for the winter. And she's like, oh. And I said, oh, Middlemarch. I was like, you know, I haven't read it. I just started it. But then I realized I needed to wait. And I'm going to read it this winter. And Fran said, Oh, wow. My classics book club is reading it in January and February. Oh, you perfect. You should join us. So I will have a support group yes. to read Middlemarch. <laughs> that and, seems and important. people to talk to you about. And she said it's a really great group. It's all... Now, Fran's a little bit older than I am. And she said everybody in the group is older than she is. But they are really, like, focused on the books. Mm. She's like, she loves this group because they just get down to the book. There's no, let's talk about our kids or grandkids right, yeah, kind of thing yeah. that can sometimes happen in book yeah. clubs that have been together for a long time. Um, so she said they're really focused and serious about oh, the book. So, yeah. Good. So we'll see. So now yeah. at least I, I think January, February will be dedicated to Middle March. The Middle March reading. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. We look forward to living vicariously through you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah, and speaking of the National Book Awards, the short list has just been released, yes. too. Yeah, so great list. I haven't read a damn book on it. Nope, me neither. None of them, fiction, yeah. nonfiction, poetry. Yeah, we're just underachievers over here. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, how do you know? Like, I, I've seen other people tweeting, like, oh, my God, like, I've read all five of the shortlist books. Yeah. Like, well, I think some people then, some people, when the long list is announced, they start reading them. Mm-hmm. Some people read, you know, awards lists, which yeah. I have a lot of admiration for, but... I just don't think, I, like, I usually don't like a lot of books that won awards. Mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely feel that you way. You know? Yeah. And I just, I guess I don't read, I guess, I don't know, do I read a lot of new stuff? I don't know. I think you really mix it up. Yeah. And your new stuff is mostly in mystery and things like that. True. Yeah. And I should start tracking and paying attention more. I mean, I think you read several of the ones that were Edgar nominated. I did, yeah. So there you have it. You just have yeah. to be looking at the right awards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I have, I've had fantasies in the past about reading awards, like, you just pick one and read, yeah. but I, I, I'm not that great. I, I love making lists, but I, I hate following through on them. <laughs> That's because you're a rebel. <laughs> That's what I love about you. <laughs> I, either that or I'm just, I think, a mood reader. Well, I think that's really really important. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's not supposed to feel like work. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. We all have work. Who needs it to be like work? Mm -hmm. So this is supposed to be pleasure. Absolutely. You know? That's what we're all about here. That's right. In our book land. Book cougars. We love pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Read the kiss quotient. There's lots of pleasure in that. (laughs) On that note. I think that cougar found her happy place. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Lots of happy places. (laughs) Happy Happy reading. reading. (laughs) Thanks 
for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.